You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. We're in the middle of a series. Um, we're walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, the Bible is filled with so many truths and so many things for our lives because it's God's true word for us and it's timeless. It was written over many, many centuries, in fact, millennia, uh, multiple continents and 40 some odd writers. And it is designed, it's God's eternal word that continues to reverberate around the world. And so we're learning the things out of this book that God has for us today, not just 2,000 years ago. It was a letter written to a church at Corinth. And let's just say that church had issues, all right? That, that church had a reputation, we might say. And uh, so we're bumping into stage number three or four of things that they are just like, I cannot believe they did that. But that's what we're looking at today. So take your Bible with me and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Read with me, uh, starting in verse 12, what Paul talks about. He says, Paul says this, he's quoting some of their logic, and he's about to wade into a, a challenging topic. He says this, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, he's, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her? For it's written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Pray with me, would you? Father, I pray... As we open your word this morning, that your truths that you have inspired Paul to write 2,000 years ago as an apostle, I pray that they would bear witness in our heart today. Lord, we live in such a sexually turbocharged world, and um, it, people are, get hurt. It can be crazy. And Father, it can be increasingly difficult to know how to live for you and to honor you in this world. Help us to learn from the mistakes of this church. Help us to avoid these. And Lord, where each of us have messed up in the past, help us to move forward, to receive your grace and your forgiveness and walk forward in purity and in honesty and integrity. God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You know, it's hard to deny that we really do live in a sex-saturated world. It's just, I mean, whether it's social media, whether it's the news, whether it's the movies, whether it's conversations, whether it's at work, it just we live in a, a culture and a, a world that just drips and is saturated. And for us as the church, it can be challenging at times to know how to live in that world and honor God 
and, uh, and, and, and just how to embrace. God made us at the core. He made us male and female. It's at the core of our identities of who we are as people, an expression of that. And, and that's honestly, it's out of that is why it's so run amok. But God also designed it to be a, an incredible thing meant to be for a husband and wife. So we're going to talk about how do we live in this culture? How do we live in this world? And, uh, and the church at Corinth was a mess. In fact, there were men in the church that were justifying that they were good Christians, but that they were also going out and visiting the prostitutes, assuming with regularity. And they were saying, it's okay. There's nothing wrong. I'm honoring God. It's all cool. Everything's good. And obviously, everything's not so good, you know? And so uh, I want us to know four things this morning that if you and I are to live with integrity, how do, how do we manage and how do we maneuver and how do we live in this world that it's, that's not going away. In fact, it's going to increase. Corinth was that kind of town. There was the temple of Aphrodite, you know, the goddess of love there in, in Corinth. And, and history tells us that she had a thousand prostitutes there is a part of religious worship, most likely slaves. I mean, women who were not, you know, there willingly. And it was a town that the sexuality was just, if you will, was just run amok. The Roman uh, Empire of that day was just, you know, prostitution. Everything under the sun was normal. It was out. It was there. And it was common. And so this young church, the people of Corinth, were new believers, grown up, brought up in that culture, and now that Jesus had saved them and changed their life, they were struggling to come out of some of that, and they were struggling to understand just what it's all meant. In fact, in just a minute, we're reading in chapter 7, verse 1, they wrote a letter like, hey, Paul, we got questions about how this is supposed to, you know, what, how, what this means with husbands and wives. And so Paul is wading in to this topic. So four things that you and I need to recognize if we're to live for God in a sexually turbocharged kind of world. First thing is, is, we need to identify and we need to reject the damaging, destructive lives that are common around us. This is what Paul is dealing with right off the bat. In verse 12, he says this. He says, he's quoting them. They had a common saying. They said, all things are lawful for me. The guys that were justifying going to see the prostitutes, they were using logic by saying, hey, I'm forgiven of my sin. Jesus has forgiven me. Everything, it's, it's lawful. Everything's covered. And Paul, quoting him, he said, all things are lawful to me. But then he adds the, the real truth. That's only half the truth. Every half truth is a whole lie, right? And that was only part of the truth. But he said, but all things may be lawful, but not everything is helpful. This is not good. He exposed another lie. He said not only that, but he said, all things are lawful for me, but... I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. Paul is addressing lies that are rampant within their culture. Guys, in our world, our culture today, the lies that revolve around sexuality, they're rampant. Um, in fact, one of them is very similar to this one. You know, it's just a, in a hookup kind of culture today, um, which is probably not that much different than it was when you grew up for some of you, and not that much different. The 50s were not as leave it to beaver as, you know, the rest of us want to look back and think that it really was. And the 70s were probably not that much crazier than the 60s, and the 60s not much more than the 50s. It was just out in the open. And today it's, it's all out there. 
But some of the lies that we have to get past, if we're going to be honest, is, is the relationship that God has designed between a man and a woman, the, the physical expression is more than just a physical reaction, if you will. You know, I've heard someone before say that relationship between a husband and wife, the physical relationship, well, it's no different than a handshake or a sneeze. And I thought, you know, I just sold a fishing rod to a guy on Craigslist, and we met at Wendy's. It's kind of weird. You pull up to Wendy's, you open your trunk, you're like, you know, I felt like I was doing a drug deal or something. You know, by the way, they had 50-cent Frosties last week. I don't know if they're this week or not, but I was like, score, this was a good choice, you know. But, you know, I shook hands with the guy and sold him a fishing rod. Can I just say, the relationship between a man and a woman, the sexual relationship, is way more than a handshake. That's what these people are talking about. They're like, hey, this is just a physiological response. It's just a sneeze. It doesn't matter. No, no, it is much different. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be seeing middle school and high school girls' hearts crushed and depressed and full of anxiety when their boyfriend breaks up, their first boyfriend when they've slept with them and moved on in life and their world comes crashing down. You don't, your world doesn't come crashing down when you just shook hands with somebody and walked away. This is way more than just a physical, you know, kind of reaction mechanism here. We have to get past the lies. I want you to realize, these men that Paul's dealing with, we look at it today like, this is crazy. The church people were justifying visiting prostitutes. How did their wives feel? How did their kids feel? Like, this is insane. Why is the church even dealing with this? Because it was a thing of their day. I presume it could come back and swing back around. We're not dealing with that as much in our culture, but we are dealing with a similar kind of thing in the culture around us, telling it's just a physical, physiological thing. And Paul says, no. To get to right behavior, I want you to hear this. Whenever you and I struggle with sin or dealing with the passions of our heart or dealing with the feelings and the emotions that we have, dealing with those inside things, we often feel victimized by it. And when God is helping us to deal with those things, the way he begins to change and shape those is he, begins, he starts dealing with our head and he deals with truth. He exposes the lies and he tells us what truth is all about so we can get to the core of it. You see, we're not victims to our feelings and our emotions as much as we think that we really are. Those things come out of our thinking. Our behavior comes out of our feelings and our emotions and all of that, and our emotions and our feelings come out ultimately out of our thinking. And so Paul is peeling back and he's dealing with the thoughts. He's like, look, guys, you've got some habits that are bad, and I don't doubt that you've got feelings and emotions, all kinds of things that are all in there, but let's expose the lives for what they are. This is not a physical thing. This is not just a, a biological chemical reaction within your body. This is way more than that. And he explains to them that there is a deeply personal connection that they were missing and not getting. Really even two ways. There's a, a connection that Paul's like, you guys are missing this whole thing. When we come to know Jesus is Lord of our life, there is a deeply personal connection that we get with God. And you guys are ignoring that. And you're ignoring the connection that you have with a person when you're hooking up with whoever you're hooking up with. And you're missing that. They were clueless. See, if you know anything about the church or, you know, or background or bumped into different churches, the Corinthian church is the one that was famous for speaking in tongues and all the spiritual stuff. And they kind of almost created like a two-layer spiritual life that, you know, you worship God when you get into this spiritual place and all this kind of stuff. But then they were a mess in their practical life. 
lawsuits going on. They didn't begin to understand sexuality properly. They didn't even understand relationships with one another well. And they kind of like relegated God to this just kind of ethereal, weird space and nothing at all practical and real in their life. And Paul says, guys, you missed this. There is a personal connection that you get with God in heaven that you become one with him when you surrender your life to Jesus as Lord of your life. The God of heaven, you become a, he becomes a part of your life. You literally become his temple, that he lives inside of you, and you have become one with him. Why in the world are you now joining with a prostitute? Why are you giving yourselves this other way? And they completely missed that. If you and I are to live honestly and purely in a way that honors God, in a way that blesses whether it's our future spouse, our current spouse, or even if you don't have a, a, a husband or a wife and you don't ever plan to, that's fine too, but in a way that honors God, we have to expose the lies that we've accepted unconsciously. Expose the lies. So many think today, well, it's, as long as you're... You know, you're in love and you're in a monogamous, committed relationship, it's okay. No, Paul says, no, that's not right either. No, eh, wrong answer. Well, you know, well, if you really have got to show that you're committed, that's just what you do. No, you've watched way too many movies. Um, you've seen way too much of the culture around you. That's not what God designed. Guys, can I just say this? When you and I learn to live life the way God designed it, it just works better. I mean, beyond whether you're right or wrong, I'm just really pragmatic. Even if you're like, hey, I don't know that I really believe this, I, I just tell you it actually works better. It's like trying to teach somebody to drive the car. I mean, if my kids, they never did this. I, I tried to teach one child, my teen daughter, my oldest to drive, and after like the second time, I was like, I have no business trying to teach anybody how to drive a car. I got out of that game really quickly. Because I realized I drive, but I really don't know what I do. I just do it, and I cannot begin to explain it. When we almost peeled out of the driveway and ended up in the ditch, I'm like, oh, that one's on me, honey. That was totally my fault, not your fault. I just, you know. So anyway, um, how did I get on that rabbit? Every once in a while I do that. I forgot that. Yeah. What was I talking about? What's that? It works better. Thank you. If you're, if you're new, I don't usually hit a dead end like that, but every once in a while, I do. It just, it works better. So none of my kids ever argued with me, like getting in the car, Dad, I think the gas pedal should be on the left. I think the brakes should be on the right. I just, that's the way it should work. I want it to work that way. It's just like, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way, honey. There's not a car on the planet that works that way. Not that I know of. Steering wheel may be on the other side, but not your gas and brake pedals. And when you and I take what God has designed and we try to use it differently, we don't enjoy it. We suffer consequences. It hurts us deeply. It just doesn't work besides just being something that pleases and honors God. So I mean just even pragmatic, let alone honoring the God of heaven who made us. So recognize the lies. You see, you and I get tempted. Sometimes guys will say, well, I deserve it. And we get this mental thing. Well, I just, I deserve it. My wife's not being good to me, and I've worked hard, and I just, I deserve it. And we start lying to ourselves. Our wives may say, or one may say, well, my husband's not paying attention to me, but he is. And you start playing the little dance in your heart. 
and you start being pulled away. By the way, any kind of sin like that, unfaithfulness, whether before marriage or after marriage, all of that, it starts in your heart. It starts with your thinking. And so identify those lies. Identify them. Surface them. They're dangerous. They're categorically wrong. That's why Paul's dealing with it here. He's just like, look, I'm sorry. You're going to a prostitute. This is completely wrong before God. God saves all of you, your body as well as your soul. And he cares about how you live. Second thing I want you to notice. Paul gives some really good advice here. He says, run, verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sins outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. I read a report. I wasn't really doing research. Just ran across it. But there are three, like the three most popular, not popular is the wrong idea, the three most common sexually transmitted diseases have continued to go up every year for the last several years. And I thought to myself, so much for all of the education that we have in schools and our highly educated U.S. world that obviously that's working really well. You know, it's an absolute failure. Paul says, run from this. You and I aren't to play around with sexual sins. We're actually to run the other way. One of the lies is, is well, I can handle it. I got it under control. No, my friend, you do not have it under control. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was uh, hiking in the Adirondacks with my sons, uh, I got heat exhaustion, about the only time I've ever known it. By the way, if, you get, if you're exerting a lot and it's humid and hot and you get headaches and you begin like your stomach is sick and you throw up, you don't have the stomach flu, you just need to drink water. I didn't realize it and I threw up and I just was awful. I'm doing it in my mind like, how am I going to get out of here? Like I got miles to hike and I was feeling awful and I'm laying in the tent and it's sun near nearing sunset after dinner and I didn't feel well I was just felt awful and all of a sudden uh, a, a, an animal runs through the camp a fisher and then my boys say there's a bear and there's a bunch of us camping around in that area and the guys next door made I don't know, like bacon and eggs and sausage and and I'm like, it smelled everywhere. And that's just like ringing the dinner bell for a bear. You know, I mean, it's late summer, early fall. They want to put on a lot of food and, and nobody else there knew what to do. You know, the other guys didn't know what to do. And I'm like, a bear in camp. So I got out and I ran over and kind of, you know, confronted it and threw a big stick and it kind of stood up and looked at me. And, and uh, then I realized like, you know, this was a dumb move. I don't even... <laughs> I don't have a hiking stick in my hand. I don't have a knife. I don't have anything. You know, here I am trying to bluff this bear. But black bear, you confront, you can scare them. Grizzlies, you run. And it went away. It ran. And then it went to the other side of camp. And I had to throw another thing at it as well. It's amazing how you can feel better when you're threatened. You don't do that with this sin. Paul says, no, you run because you can't bluff it. You, don't, you can't stand up to it. You can't fight it. You run from it. Like you say, I have no ability to fight you. My best chance of making it out alive is to run, is to flee. You don't play around with a pet cobra. You're not going to pet it and say, well, I got this under control. You know, that's why I don't keep deadly snakes. You always hear about the guy that has deadly snakes and one day he makes one mistake and he gets bitten and he dies. I'm like, that's just dumb. I don't want to do that, you know. I want to run the other way with those things. Paul says, run, 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 continue to run. In two ways, you're going to need to run in this sexually saturated culture. Guys, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I just, be honest with you, your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, 
are going to be dealing with way more temptation and way more stuff than what you did when you grew up. It's just the way the world's going to work. And you have to start running in your heart before you start running in your behavior. You've got in your heart, when you're, whether you're driving down the road, whether you're at the office, whether you're on the computer screen, whether you see whatever you see, you've got to run. You've got to begin your day saying, God, I want my day to honor you and only you. You have got to run in your heart. I will tell you a truth. If you don't run in your heart, you will never run in your behavior. You'll never step away. You'll never turn back. If you play around with any of that mentally in your mind, you entertain whether it's other people, other things, other situations, I'm sorry, you are absolutely praying and you are going to fall one day and you're going to create such destruction in your life. See, Paul says run because one, it's so dangerous, it, it's, so, it, it, it's so compelling, and he's like, you just have got to get out of town and keep on running is what he's telling us. But also is when you finally get caught, it's so destructive and damaging. There's no closer relationship that two people have than the physical relationship together, and especially in a husband and wife situation. And when that's betrayed, it, there's no deeper place, more soft, damaging place to hit somebody than there. It hurts, it's destructive, it ruins lives, it ruins futures. There is an increasingly evidence that shows that young men who are addicted to pornography, young men pre-40 that should be in their prime, 20s and 30s, sexual, dealing with sexual dysfunction because the pornography is rewiring their brains and how it functions. Destructive. Paul says, run from this. You're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're taking out a knife and stabbing yourself in the leg. When you give yourself into this way, he says it's so deadly and it damages your future relationships. If you're in college and you're not married, when you give yourself in a hookup culture, if you're not careful, you're going to give yourself to all of that. And it will absolutely begin to damage your future relationship with your spouse. How many times, I'm not thinking sticky notes, but like normal tape. Can you take like a piece of tape and stick it to something, pull it off and stick it to something up, pull it off and stick it to something up? That kind of relationship between a, a husband and wife, that's meant to be the glue between two people. Not the foundation. It's not built on that. It's built on respect and commitment and, and relationship and conversation and trust and friendship and all of that. And, and the physical relationship between a man and woman are, are as a glue together. But when you've allowed your glue to get used in other places, it's like that tape that just, after a while, it's not so sticky anymore. So hold on to it and allow God to bless you in that future relationship with your spouse. So deal with the lies, run. And the third thing that he says that he tells us about is we should develop a, a, our devotion for God. You can't just... Our lives are not a vacuum. You can't just stop one thing without doing something else. If you, if you struggle with an addiction, you can't just get over that addiction. I don't care whatever it is, whether it's shopping or smoking or eating or drugs or alcohol or sex, any of it. You can't just stop one thing without doing something else. So we battle this. We got to not only deal with the negative side of it, but the positive, Paul is like, hey, come 
give your heart as a devotion to God. You see, that's what he's talking about in verse 17, that we become one with him. So what he's telling us about in verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple, that God lives within you? There is something else going on. They were so clueless in what spirituality was all about. They had no clue. Even though they claimed to be spiritual, they didn't get it. And Paul says, your body is a temple of God. Glorify Him. You've been bought with a price. You see, the reason this matters to us, this doesn't matter to the world, and it's not going to. As Christians, we shouldn't complain about the world. We should pray for, care for, and our hearts should ache and break for the world. But what matters to us is that when we know Jesus who died on the cross for us and He saved us from our sins, He, he changes our life. And our whole life is to meant to be lived out into glory and honor to Him. You see, He buys us with a price. He purchases us, us. Jesus, His Son, died on the cross to pay for our sins. That's what it's all about. If there was no cross, none of this would matter. Wouldn't matter. But because we are a child of God and because He has paid for us, Paul's like, look, you don't belong to you. You belong to God. You've got a responsibility. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. You claim to know Him as Lord of your life. You are saved by Him. Then honor Him. Honor Him. So when, you're, when you battle this, in this subject, most of us will battle this in different ways, in different forms. The solution is not just saying, okay, I've got to cut this off, got to cut this off, got to cut this off. The solution is like, I need, God, would you help me, forgive me? I cut, cut this off. God, I want my heart to be turned to you. You see, whenever you run, you run away from something and you run to something else. And the thing that we need to run to is God. God, I just truly do want to know you. I want to live for you. God, help that to be enough. God, I'm struggling, and our efforts need to be toward Him, and our love needs to be toward Him. Well, Sean, that's fine, but you don't know the challenges I have with my spouse. You're right, I don't. But I know this, I don't care what those challenges are, none of those are an excuse for you to sin against the holy God of heaven. Instead, your heart should be toward Him and say, God, you're enough. I don't have anything else in the world, you're enough. I'll tell you a secret, there's no person on the planet that will totally satisfy you, that will totally please you, that will fulfill you. Only God can do that. No person will do it. You and I get into this. That's another lie that leads us into this sexual morality, thinking that, well, this person's going to complete me, and, and we give ourselves in that way. No. Walk away. God, you're the only thing. You're what I need. You're going to fulfill me. Help me today to walk in that. So. Give yourself, devote your heart and life to God. Last thing, and I'm going to finish with this. Well, how about those who are married? Look what Paul says this. This is not everybody in this room, but it's for a bunch of you guys. And most of you, many of you, if not most of you who aren't married now, will be in the future. Look what Paul says for you. He says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, they wanted to know. It's so crazy. So many people in the church have gone and accused the church of being prudish and ever talking about this topic. I'm like, did you know that these people wrote a letter about how this all is supposed to work in a marriage? And Paul writes it. He says this, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. It's good. Singles, that means for you, you're not weird and it's okay if you're not married. Celibate, Paul says, 
It's a good thing. Rejoice and, and don't let the world tell you differently. He says this, but because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each wa woman her own husband. And the husband should give his wife her conjugal rights. They belong to her, her rights. And likewise, a wife to her husband. And he explains this, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again. Why? So that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So for those of you who are married, what Paul says is this, the best way to live pure in a world around us and to live before God honoring Him is to have a great marriage and have a great physical relationship, sexual relationship in your marriage. God is meant it to be creative. He meant it to be beautiful. He meant it to grow. He meant it to be uh, amazing, your life. Invest. Give yourself into that world. Uh, it's football season, right? So there's a saying, you know, with football or basketball, basketball season, is defense wears champ wins championships. The best offense is a good defense. Can I tell you, in this world, it's the opposite. The best defense when it comes to your sexuality when you're married is a good offense. Paul says, be together as a husband and wife, love one another, give to one another, and it will protect you more and more for against all of the temptations and the things that are there. Guys, now for you and for me, and, and it tells us we don't have individual authority over our own, our own bodies. When you marry to one another, you are giving yourself as a gift, and that includes you physically to your other spouse. All of us think about the person that we're getting and what we're getting, but when God looks at it, it's like, no, you're giving yourself away. You're giving yourself to someone else. You're giving up rights, and you're handing them over to the degree that Paul says you should not separate yourself physically in a marital situation except for under three conditions. You both agree to it. One of you can't do it. Just call it, hey, I'm taking a time out. Paul says don't do that. Sin if you do. Second thing, he says, let it be only for a certain amount of time. You need to agree, and it needs to be a short amount of time. This isn't the, hey, let's for the next 10 years, I'm being facetious, you know. He says, uh, both agree, do it for a short amount of time, and what do you do? Remember that fleeing, running away, and running to? Do it when you're especially focusing on God. When you're in a season of prayer and you're really drawing to God, there's times for that in our relationship. But he said, guys, Get past that and come back together again because the temptation is going to be so great, you are not going to be able to withstand it. You can't. At our core identity, God made us male and female. It's going to come out. That's why we sh all of the, the awful things that are coming out around us, you can't, you can't shut that down. Whether it's in a church situation, you can't. God never meant for a man to, 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 to live celibate across the board. He, didn't, he meant to be husbands and wives together. And so he tells us the best way when you're married is to invest into your relationship, husband and wife. Guys, that means, and I'm thinking men here, not you ladies, but men, that means you and I can't say, hey, honey, it's your responsibility. And we, you know, all week long are disrespecting them, demeaning them, talking down to them, not being helpful. It just does not work that way at all. 
what this physical relationship between a husband and wife is, it's a magnifier. You see, when your marriage is good, relationship is good, this only sweetens the deal. When your marriage relationship's bad, this highlights it and magnifies it even worse. So invest in your marriage and your relationship with another, one with another, husband and wife. If you're not, well, Sean, I'm not married yet. What do I do? Well, you're not at that spot. You need to, in your heart, say, God, all I got is you. And you've got to devote yourself and focus on the Lord and, you know, and invest in what he's doing in your life and others around you. And you've got to say, you know what? I would like to be married one day. And out of honor of that other person, I'm going to live today and make myself the gift that God has me for that person. Can I guarantee that you'll be married? No. I'm actually talking about marriage next week because that's what all the rest of chapter 7 is all about. When to get married, how to get married, who, and all of that kind of stuff. And talks about divorce and all of these practical things. But today, it starts with you and I living for God, honoring Him, keeping our heart pure. Sean, you know, I just don't understand. I, I'm, I struggle in my relationship. I don't have those feelings from our spouse. Yeah. Things have gotten built up and can get built up in your relationship where forgiveness has got to come. You've got to get over bitterness and past things. But I can tell you this, that the God of heaven is so powerful that Jesus is so able to change and save your life that he's able to completely revolutionize and completely change your even view of your spouse, regardless of where they are. And this pattern that we're talking about this morning was what God designed. And when you and I are living that way, our entire life becomes a, an incredible journey. When, when God has given you that spouse, it becomes this incredible journey with this person that you give yourself to and you give before the Lord. Well, Sean, I'm not married. I don't have a plan to get married. Hold on. We'll talk about that more next week too because that's a good thing. Paul just said it's okay. It's good. But I'm talking for most of us this morning. So in your heart, guys, make a commitment to live before God. Well, Sean, I haven't always lived that way. That, I feel guilty. I feel some shame. I've not done right. Well, guess what? Most of the people in this room haven't either. That's not what should make you feel good. What should make you feel good is, is that God still loves you, and he still sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, then whatever guilt and shame you feel about your past sins, about your past life, God wants to wash those away. And He wants to forgive you, renew you, and restore you. And all you need to do is to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. Say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. I want you to be in charge of my life. And when you do that, God comes and lives inside of you. Everything is made new. And the past is past, the Bible says. Well, Sean, I know I've knew Jesus since I was a little kid, but I went to high school, I got to college, and I got some stuff in there that I didn't do right. Admit it to God. Say, God, forgive me. And today, commit to follow Him and honor Him. And allow God's grace to wash away and to renew your life spiritually, dealing with some of that old stuff. 
It'll be a process for you. If you're married, it'll be a process for you and your spouse. But start that process. Admit it to God to honor Him in every area of your life. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.